your love. Um, Lord Jesus, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us this morning and shape us into the sort of people you want us to be in the Bridge Church. Amen. Uh, just checking, everybody can hear me okay? Before I launch in, great. Thanks for the wave. <laughs> I, uh, I think you'll agree with me that 2020 has been a year of, of firsts. It's uh, the first time I've used Zoom. I'd never used Zoom before. Um, I hope that 2021 or maybe 2022 will be a year where I never have to use Zoom. Um, but it's certainly the first time I've used Zoom in 2020. First time I've welcomed someone into membership online. First time this year, uh, this won't be the case for the medics in the congregation, but it's the first time that I've worn a surgical mask. And I hope I don't have to do that for much longer. It's definitely the first time that I've done what I did recently with, with Dave, actually, which was sat on someone's front lawn on a deck chair under an umbrella while they sat in their porch for a pastoral visit. Not done that before. 2020 has been a year of firsts, and I'm sure you could add a lot of firsts, positive and negative ones, to that list. I'm guessing that it was also, for most of you, the first time, as it was for me, that you've attended an online virtual AGM and church family meeting. And hopefully a lot of you remember doing that quite recently. You may remember, and, and Tom alluded to this in his notice, that at that meeting, we as elders shared something of what God had burdened us with as elders. We met towards the end of 2019, it was now, um, and we discussed various things as elders but we really felt there were three particular areas of focus where we as a church needed to either kind of break new ground or rekindle what was already there. Rekindle and refocus in these particular areas, these three areas. Tom's mentioned one of them. There were three that God laid in our hearts particularly, as I say, and they were prayer, people and partnerships. You might remember that from the church family meeting. Prayer, people and partnerships and I want to remind you this morning what we mean by those three maybe it's really obvious just from the headings but I want to remind you what we mean by them and then in our life groups in November after half term we plan to talk about and pray into those three areas because what we want to happen is for you as a congregation to feel the burden that we feel in these three areas we hope that you already do or you will feel that burden with us. So that's what I want to do this morning to outline those three areas and what we mean by them and to try and share that burden with you. But I'm going to say up front, what I intend to do is come full circle back to the first one. Because if there's one of these that's central and vital, it's the first one. I mean, we think all three are important. I think you can argue that two of them are vital. But this first one in particular is where the fire is going to burn for the others to happen. To do this, I want to refer us briefly back to that passage in Acts chapter 2. Now, if you've been with us at the bridge or prior to that Highfields Pompreni for any length of time, you probably had a smile came across your face as that started to be read, because we've gone back here often. We've referred to this passage often. It's become a touchstone passage for us as a church. And I just want to, it's not going to be a detailed exposition of this passage. I want to touch base with a few key parts of this passage while I unpack these three headings. Because I think we've heard this passage regularly 
But I wonder if I and if you have really heard it fully. So let's ask that question of ourselves as we look at these three headings. Shall we prayer, people and partnership? First of all, prayer. We we read in this this snapshot of the spirit filled church in chapter two of Acts that they devoted themselves to various things, to the teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread, which I think is meals together, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to these things, which includes them devoting themselves to prayer. Now, we're a church that prays. And I know we're a church that's got some prayer warriors, to use that old-fashioned term. We've got some prayer warriors in this congregation. We as a church have studied what the Word of God says about prayer quite a number of times. We as a Bounds family have known the goodness of God poured out into our lives through the prayers of God's people. We as an eldership have known that as well. We in our life groups have seen clear evidence, and we've praised God for it, clear evidence of our loving Father giving us good things in answer to our pleadings in prayer. Our motto verse for the year, Romans 12, 12, urges us to be faithful in prayer. And I can testify that the bridge people have definitely been faithful in prayer, as well as joyful in hope and patient in infliction during this strange, challenging, draining period of coronavirus and lockdown. All that is true of us and true of our prayers. But let me ask you a question this morning, please. Have we found all that there is to be found in prayer? Have we as a congregation been devoted to prayer? Because devotion to something or someone is not just about regularity, is it? Being devoted to prayer arguably goes beyond even being faithful in prayer, because being devoted to prayer is passionate prayer. Being devoted to prayer means being obsessed with prayer. They, they the, the church in Acts chapter 2, lived in. They were all about these things that they were devoted to, including prayer. There is more for us as the Bridge Church in prayer. And when we find it, when we find that more, I believe it will spill over into those other two areas and every area of our church life. It will spill over to all the other things that God has put in our hearts. For one thing, when we become a people who are devoted to prayer, it will make a difference to our lives but to the lives and eternal destinies of the people around us. And here's where we come on to heading number two. Heading number one is prayer. This is where we need to rekindle in our life as a church, but also when it comes to people. As we looked ahead at the end of 2019 as an eldership, one of the things we long to see, and I know we've talked to you about this, and I know so many of you share this burden. One of the things we longed to see as we stood at the front of church on a Sunday morning in the school in the, and looked at those rows of plastic chairs. By the I never thought I'd miss plastic chairs, but I miss those plastic chairs in the school. What was on our hearts is that we looked out on those plastic chairs and saw them full of people, 
that those people would include new faces representing new life in Christ. New faces from among our friends and our family and our neighbours. New faces from the streets of Pontprenay and Pentwin and further afield. That's what we mean when we say people. Obviously, we're a church made up of people, but that's not what we mean by this heading people. We mean people from outside the church who have not yet come to know Jesus. We're talking about seeing people outside the church come into the body of Christ by faith in Jesus. This is our mission after all, isn't it? Something we've talked about regularly. Making and maturing disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. We long to see that happen and we long to see the fruit of it sat there in the rows in front of us in church on a Sunday morning. Since, since the church began, we've seen people come to faith. And we're grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. In the last few years alone, hundreds of people have heard the gospel at our carol services and in our holiday clubs and our school workshops. And then hundreds more have been engaged with us online. And we're so grateful for that, aren't we? We've been rightly excited by that. Many of you listening to me this morning have sweat a lot for God's glory in all that. So many of you are active, I know you are, in sharing life and sharing the good news with your friends and neighbours and families. I'm so encouraged. And actually, I have to say, by some of you, I'm so challenged by that. And I need to step up to the level that you're at in terms of sharing with your neighbours. But can I ask us another question as the body of Christ in the bridge, as the bridge church? Are you satisfied with all that? Is that enough? can't be can it it can't be if heaven is real and hell is forever we can't be satisfied with that can we we want to see people added to our number in that passage in acts chapter 2 did you notice the word people is used there they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people that's the people outside the body of christ and the lord added to their number daily those who are being saved we can't be satisfied can we with the number of people we have seen so far coming through faith in jesus we saw last week that the door of the kingdom of heaven is held open by Jesus for those in his church, for those who trust in him and follow him. The question for us this morning under this heading of people is how many people will we take with us through that open door into heaven? By the way, can I just say this morning, if anybody listening to this now with us on Zoom or maybe listening to the recording later on, is a friend who's not yet taken that step of trusting in Jesus. You can step through that open door into heaven, so to speak, by simply putting your trust in him. And we would long for you to do that. People enter the kingdom of heaven when they believe the good news about Jesus Christ. And that good news is this. There is a good and real and powerful and awesome God who created this universe. We as human beings have rebelled against him. We have sinned against him. Our sin is a horrific thing. But God in his love, as we sang, has stepped down and kissed this guilty world in love by sending his son to step into our suffering and take our sin on him and bear the horror of our sin on the cross so that when we trust in him, 
we can know freedom and hope knowing that death is for us. That's the good news in a nutshell. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that we as the Bridge Church must keep on proclaiming because we want to see people coming into the kingdom of heaven through faith in Jesus. I, I hope you can see, guys, that what I'm trying to do is stir up. Well, actually, I can't do it. The Holy Spirit, only he can do it. But I'm trying to be used by him to stir us up to a holy discontentment a discontent not with god because we're grateful to him for all he's done for us but a discontentment with where we're at and with how many we have seen clearly saved god forgive us if we've become content with where we're at god forgive us if we've become happy with how many people we've been saved we've seen saved when we pray do we pray along with the, the prayer-obsessed believers in Acts. For example, in Acts chapter 4, we read this prayer from the people of God. They prayed, Lord, now consider their threats, the threats of the Jewish authorities, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Do we pray like that? Will we pray like that? You know, when it comes to seeing people saved and coming into the kingdom, there is so much to be done and there is more that we can do and we must do. And I'd urge you to come along tonight to be challenged and to be equipped to do your part in seeing people come into the kingdom, seeing disciples made, seeing the kingdom expanded. There is more that we must do. We must act. We can't be a church that's about an inward looking kind of pietism that warms our toes at the nice little fire that we've built and then does nothing to take that warmth to the outside world. We can't be like that. Between us, we know thousands of people. We must keep looking out and we must reach out and we must do that more. But activity alone is not enough. And doing this alone, by the way, is not enough, which brings us on to our third point, the third P, the third area that we, we feel we need to be rekindled in our church life or step into new territory. And it's the area of partnership. We thought about prayer and people. Let me just say a few words about partnership. We were aware as elders, as we talked at the end of 2019, not long after we'd gone independent, that independence can become isolation. We've probably all seen that with independent churches that aren't part of a denomination or larger group. Independence can become isolation and we don't want that to happen for us. So independence should go hand in hand with interdependence with other Christians outside the Bridge Church as well as within it. We've had our own Bridge Church partners in mission all along who take the gospel on our behalf to Cardiff, Wales and the world. And we're so grateful for them. We have supported other gospel works across Wales through our contacts forged, for example, with Wales Leadership Forum, contacts like John Funnell and the church there in Abersachen. And we're glad, we're so glad we've done that. But can I ask you the same question I asked under the heading of people? Are we content? with that because the new testament pattern is local churches led by elders but linked in gospel partnership with other local churches that's what you see in acts from the jerusalem council and through the book of acts and into the letters in the new testament letters like philippians and corinthians where we see an interchange of personnel and finance and mutual prayer and encouragement between congregations and groups of christians 
So we mention this because we want you to think and pray along with us for God to make clear to us what relationships we as a church can build with gospel works outside of the Bridge Church in Pontpreni. So that we are a true expression of the universal body of Christ, not just the local expression of the body of Christ. The word used in Acts 2 for the togetherness and the in commonness of the church there was koinonia. And it's a word that Paul uses to describe his partnership with churches like that in Philippi. Koinonia is something to be had within churches and between churches as they pray for and serve one another. To be a New Testament church, we need to be a church that loves churches. Churches outside our own. Possibly we need to be a church that plants or revitalizes churches outside our own. But we can't try and we mustn't try to do any of this on our own or in our own power. And that brings us back to prayer. This is where I've got to land. This is where I think the burden is particularly on me this morning as I'm speaking to you, circling back to that heading of prayer. I wonder if when we've looked at that passage in Acts chapter 2 in the past as a church, did you, like me, skip over the reality in Acts 2 that they devoted themselves to prayer? Did you read that and find yourself thinking, well, yeah, we pray. I pray in my devotions, in my quiet times. We pray as a church. And, and what we've done is we've kind of skipped off the surface of that text. You know, as we've been doing in the, the letters to the seven churches, it's good, if uncomfortable, to turn the searching laser of the words of Jesus, the word of God, on ourselves. And when we do that, I think we find that we are a church that is pretty devoted to the apostles' teaching. We love the word of God and we know how powerful and important it is. I think we're pretty devoted to fellowship. We are a warm church. We love each other well. And I think we can say that we are a, are a church in which Many of the people are, in the terms of Romans 12, verse 12, our motto verse, we are faithful in prayer. But are we corporately devoted to prayer? More literally, as the ESV has it, devoted to the prayers, the variety of prayers that there should be in the Christian life, the full range of prayer that God has for us, constantly and together adoring and worshipping and confessing and thanking and pleading with God. Are we devoted to prayer like that? Here's, here's how we've got, we must be, we've got to be, because we could do everything humanly possible to act on our burden for people and for partnership, and we must do everything possible, and we could do so with good motives and a genuine heart. We could do all that and still not see great blessing because we're not devoted to prayer. We can make great plans for outreach. We could talk tonight about how to be there and be real and be vulnerable. I know some of the stuff Tom's going to talk to us about, which is so vital. But you know what? We could do that. And then what happens? We cannot expect to see people drawn into the kingdom if we do not press deeper into a prayer-dependent relationship with our triune God. You know, as you read Acts, as you read the letters in the New Testament, you see that prayer, individually and together, 
was the lifeblood of the church, the nuclear reactor, the blazing core of its missionary endeavor and suffering. If you read even just a little bit of church history, you see that when God works in power and renews individuals and churches and even nations, he is most pleased to do it in response to the passionate, sincere, authentic, nagging corporate prayers of his dependent people. Do you remember John Funnell sharing with us at our last mission prayer meeting not long ago? Which incidentally was attended, it was quite well attended, I think, for a mission prayer meeting, but I think it was by less than a third of the adults in the church. Do you remember John Funnell sharing with us there? What struck me this time, I've heard John share several times now, and it always grabs me, but what struck me this time was not so much what God had been doing there in Abisachan, though it's been amazing, and though John is very careful to give all the glory to God and not himself or his techniques or his ideas, what struck me was not so much what God had been doing there in recent months and years, but the fact that the church that John came to when he first arrived was small and elderly. And do you remember what John said that that small and elderly fellowship had been doing? There wasn't much they could do. But what had they been doing? They'd been praying. And I suspect that they, like many in church history before them, would not have been content with prayers that were only pleases and thank yous for the daily things. They wouldn't have been content with prayers that were only cries for help in times of crisis, though we well know that our loving Father is answering such prayers for us regularly. They would have been prayers that worshipped God in awe for his majesty and celebrated his great attributes, prayers that acknowledge the abject sinfulness and helplessness of those people praying, prayers that acknowledge the breathtaking mercy of God for saving those people who were praying, prayers that were still amazed by the cross, prayers that pleaded for the same mercy for the people out there that the people praying had received. See, John Funnell has been reaping the fruit of those prayers. Where you see God working and people being saved, that is the fruit of prayer being harvested. And can I just be really honest and I hope loving with you because I really am speaking to myself as much as you. I don't see that we, that I have been praying like that. Devoted to prayer. We have not discovered as a church yet, I don't believe, all that there is for us in prayer. This is what we believe as elders. There is more. And as we pursue people and partnerships, we must pursue a corporate prayer life like this. We must. We must learn to worship in prayer. Like previous generations did. We must learn to lay hold of God and be prepared to sweat in prayer. Like the early church and the reformers and those who lived in the days of the Great Awakenings and the 1904 revival. But this isn't only about nationwide revival. This is about local renewals. This is about the twos and threes and thirties being saved. And all this, yes, rests in the hands of a sovereign God, but a sovereign God who wants to be laid hold of in passionate, persistent prayer. There is more for us in prayer that we must press into if we want to see people saved and gospel partnerships developed. You know, Tom's going to be saying to us tonight, and he's going to be right, for, to see people saved, we must cross that pain line more we must step out we must be there for people we must do more absolutely but if we do more and we're not devoted to prayer we won't see people saved 
Michael Green, in his book, 30 Years That Changed the World, about the Book of Acts. He says this as he spoke of the approach of the early church to everything they did and to their evangelism and to their outreach in particular. He says this, they worked outward from a warm centre. Later on, he calls that a hot centre. They worked outward from a hot centre. What makes the centre of a church hot? What gives a church a blazing centre? Is it just friendly types of people? No, it's a church that sees that activity alone will achieve nothing. So that church gets on its knees to worship God and confess sin and plead with God to move in power and do big things. A church where people are doing that individually and a church where people regularly meet together to do that and be devoted to the prayers together. Do we have that? We need to do a temperature check as a church. I'm getting a bit fed up with going places where I have to have my temperature checked at the moment during coronavirus, but this is a good sort of temperature check to do. And when we do, I think we will find that we are warm. By God's grace, we are warm, but not hot. We need this blazing center not a warm huddle. There is more for us in prayer, which will mean more blessing for the world around us, more fellowship with God, more sweat, more tears, but all of that with more joy. And when that happens, God will move. Are you content? I'm not. I'm content with Jesus. I'm grateful, but I've been made, along with my fellow elders in recent months, discontent. And I think that's good. So will you pray with me about these things? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, yours is the greatness and yours is the power and yours is the glory and yours is the victory and yours is the majesty. We are made, we acknowledge before you this morning, we are made, we are created to glorify and enjoy you. But we see in your word how we've rebelled against you and how horrific our sin is before you. And we praise you, therefore, for the cross of Jesus, where we as enemies were made your friends. We praise you for rescuing us from hell through the gift of your son and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And we plead with you, Lord, that you would move in us and through us and in the people we know to rescue many people from the darkness of sin and separation from you and bring them into your marvellous light. Teach us to pray, Lord. Holy Spirit, make us love prayer and have it as our heartbeat, as individuals and as a church, and be pleased to use and respond to those prayers to bring in a harvest of souls. Do it for your glory and do it for our joy. Please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.